Hello, Stevie. Hi. I'm in a new spot, listeners. I'm in front of a fire. Wow. No. I want to light myself on fire. Anyways, how mm-hmm. are you doing? Funny. Me too. As you well know, that was me all day. <laughs> Emily was being self-destructive all day. All of my chosen followings on Twitter decided that they were going to post about Bedelia de Maurier all day. And um, it sent her into a titty. A titty? <laughs> what? <laughs> I wish. I meant sent her into a tizzy. Tizzy? Yeah. yeah no. Unfortunately. <laughs> It was the latter. Well, that's all you were sending me, so. Anyways, I'm back and better than ever. You got through. Ready to send myself into a tizzy over Dana Catherine. Hell yeah. I got lost in a, like, gif hole on Tumblr looking at um, Lily Mm. Bart. And I got lost in a gif hole on Tumblr looking at Stella Gibson in her uniform. Ooh, that's dangerous. (laughs) If you haven't seen Jillian in House of Mirth, watch it now. It is one of her best performances. I know. Emily hasn't fucking seen it. I know. We need to watch it. It's so good. I've seen, I've seen the parts where she kisses that guy. That's not... Ma'am. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Wait, is that the one where... Yeah, that's the one where she goes on Jon Stewart, yes, right? Yes, Is it cool? Yes. That one? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I love that interview. She's so cute. I know. Anyway, she's everything I want to be. Fuck. Oh, please. What? Why? Why what? You're already on. You're already on your way to having the, her best talent and professional characteristics. Do you mean that? That's, yes. That's the nicest thing you could ever say to me. I'm serious. Do you want to talk about Fleabag really quickly? Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so I finally finished Fleabag. This is something that my long time coming. I know it's something my ex boyfriend told me to watch like a year and a half ago, and I never did. And then we broke up, and I didn't want to watch it because it's associated with him. And then Emily was like, "No, you need to." And after like six months, I finally did. Fleabag is so important to me. I did in like two days. I watched the rest of them. Yeah, I I literally watched I think the whole both seasons in a day yeah it's so easy to do because they're so short and they're like bite-sized but they're so good phoebe war bridge is a genius she is everything i want to be like that is truly the absolute dream like she she is actually a, like her mind incredible one of a kind one yeah. of a kind and then she also wrote the first two seasons of killing eve i know i haven't seen that which either, like but oh my god i need to i think that's next for me there's this scene, this is a big spoiler. Do you care if I say a spoiler? Mm-mm. It's not like really a spoiler, but like, anyways, if you don't want a Killing Eve spoiler, turn the volume down for a second or skip ahead. Um, there's this scene where Sandra O oh and Villanelle, mm-hmm. um, Jodie Comer, where they like were, Sandra O oh is in Jodie Comer's apartment mm-hmm. and Eve is in Villanelle's apartment. And Eve is just like, I think about you all the time. She's like, I think about your mouth and your eyes and what you're wearing and what you're eating and what, what, it, what you feel when you kill someone and blah, 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 blah. And then like they lay down on the bed together and it's like they're about to like make out. And then Eve like puts a, like, like holds a knife to Villanelle's stomach. And like I was rewatching and I was like, I want them to make out and fuck so badly in this moment. Like, it would have been 
the most. I can't. Uh, That's insane because isn't one of them a murderer? Scene. Yeah, Villanelle is an assassin. Oh, she's an assassin. That seems okay. Different. I was thinking she was like a crazy serial killer. No, she's an assassin. I mean, she's a psychopath, but she's an assassin <laughs> or psychopath question mark because I think that she is in love with Eve. I I don't know. I don't know. Do they ever get I together? Don't know. I can't tell you that, but there's another season coming. So is there? Yeah, <gasps> that's exciting. I think so. I think that. I think that was what I read. I think. Okay, that'll be next. But Fleabag <sighs> rocked my fucking world. Everybody had told me about the priest and said that I would love him, and I was like, he's not that like. He's kind of like lame looking. Like I don't know. Like I'm not. He's like nothing he's special. He's like a little peewee. Yeah, he's like a, he looks like a little kid, kinda. Um, and compared to the size of David and Company, we were. Yeah. I, I I can imagine why that would be. Uh, yes. why you would be weary of that yeah i like large men and i was like what, what about i like normally large men with i know i like large men normally with beards and so like when everyone was like you're gonna love him i'm like that's so not even my type but holy shit but yeah the second he opened his mouth um my legs opened with it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah there's something about his personality that's very very like i it's very attractive i want to fuck a priest i that uh mm, well i don't i want to fuck that priest that priest you know not any priest like not the pope (laughs) (laughs) i see the pope i'm like hey daddy but it's like the fact that he like was in his robes but his hair was always kind of messy yeah oh my god (laughs) anyways i won't spoil anything for anybody but holy shit because i had gotten like halfway through for the first season and it really picks up the end of season one season two holy shit season two i think is better than season one me too but but like for a rewatch like when i first was watching the show i was super into both seasons equally Mm -hmm. but for my rewatches i definitely go to season two that makes sense. I definitely would want to rewatch season two. I need to rewatch the beginning of season one because I didn't, I watched those so long ago. Mm-hmm. So I need to re- redo that. But everything um, about it, it's so female centered and mm-hmm. there without, it's so female centered with, with still having a balance of having well-developed male characters while Absolutely. having the females as a focal point. Like every character is well-developed, but wow, these female characters that she writes are the most complex and interesting I was gonna say, and yeah. just and beautiful explorations. Even Boo, who doesn't get nearly as much screen time, like you still feel like it's just it's truly incredible writing. No, I was just going to say the women are so multidimensional. Like that's yeah. the thing. Because I definitely, definitely with her, with uh, Fleabag's sister, with Claire, mm. she's just, I just, I'm, I love her. I love like, her. I love Claire and I love Boo and I love Fleabag. Like, I love uh, her therapist, who's also, for like a brief time in season two, who's also in Killing Eve. And that's the thing that I love, the way that Phoebe writes her, writes women, writes her women. I love that. Because on the surface, they're seemingly very one-dimensional. And then the more she dives in, they're like beyond three-dimensional. Like, yeah, it's so I, true. I love all of them. I am like um, a whole bowl and two white claws deep. So let's get to it. I am about to be three white claws deep. And I know what level of like affection Emily's going to show towards Jillian based on how many white claws she's had. (laughs) If she's had two, she just wants to like hug her. Like she just loves her and idolizes her. But you move on to three. 
and the tone shifts. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Careful. Careful. <laughs> Stevie, every single time? Can I say it? <laughs> oh my God, what? Can I say what we do or what you do to me? Every single time I like yeah. am explicitly horny in our texts or at any point, Stevie now just goes, careful. <laughs> and she really brings me back down to reality. I'm like, she's like being very self-sabotaging. I can see her call it, causing herself pain. And I just go, Emily, careful. 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 <laughs> And like, if it gets if it gets really bad, Stevie like spells out care in all lowercase, and then she goes full <laughs> careful. Careful. <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. I just spit everywhere. That's what Emily does when she drinks. When I drink, I just shake my boobs back and forth a lot. It's <laughs> my favorite thing ever. It's so magnificent. I can't believe that boobs do that. <laughs> it's so incredible. It's something I used to be really embarrassed about was how much my boobs would jiggle. When I like did anything if I'm not wearing a bra, and then I did that as a joke once when I was drunk, and Emily made it's she died laughing, and I am a sucker for for an audience. <laughs> that will, that will it's so me. cute. It's incredible. I'm a sucker for a laugh. It will. I'll kill it's, a joke. It's my favorite thing ever. It makes me so happy. It makes me like, love that part of myself. Shaky. Look at how beautiful they are like look at them <laughs> they're can't. like waves <laughs> everyone look at them everyone look oh my god sorry guys another time <laughs> another time all right should we talk about the podcast yeah okay so we have a few like little baby questions that we're gonna do because we didn't feel like doing anything serious and we wanted to have a fun night so yeah so somebody said for jillian's corner you could look at fan cams or anything fan made and Share your favorites. We're going to do it not in Jillian's Corner. We're going to do it right now. And we're going to talk specifically about fan cams. So the first one is not really a fan cam. <laughs> but um, I'm three white claws deep. And um, I come back to this fan cam time and time again. Sober and not so sober. Oh my God, and uh, it is a Bedelia one. Bedelia de Maurier oh. is such a fucking sexy name first of all second of all <laughs> Julia, but julia de maurier is the character that julian plays in hannibal and it is a i wouldn't call it fan cam it's a video and it was one of those trends set to i see red the song oh my god yeah and it's Emily's had a the few scene oh my god the mental turmoil sexual turmoil this video has sent me into every time i watch it um it's one of those trends on tiktok where it was like apparently whatever sound you put this or whatever video you put the sound over it's supposed to make this video really of the video really really hot she was hot oh anyways but so they put this video this song over the video of bedelia shooting bedelia yeah shooting up that sounded weird they put it over her shooting up and Emily's had a lot of mental breakdowns around that. I I can't believe the raw sexuality of this woman. I know. Also, what fucks me up is like, I'm sorry, Mads is so fucking hot, and then Mads together, is so sexy. Oh like, my I know God. he's like he's playing a cannibal, so like he literally wants to devour her, but like the 
the, the energy so is yeah it's it's a good it's, if you haven't watched um hannibal oh. uh maybe watch her scenes for sure definitely watch her scenes like absolutely people really like the whole show but i know people love the show it's like has like a following it has um, a it has a following very similar to an x-files following which is interesting i was gonna say yeah Okay, so my all-time favorite one is one that I'm not going to share it because it's one that Emily made for me specifically about Never Again. <laughs> I'm not going to go into details about what's in it. But shut it's, up! It's about, it's about oh, Never- oh my god! No, I don't want to shut up because okay. that Emily made it with me in mind and it's too, um, fuck, what's that song called? Uh, Love is Blindness. Mm-hmm. The version from The Great Gatsby. I yeah. don't know who sings that, but yeah. Love is Blindness <laughs> by Jack White. And it's to never again. And um, it's erotic. Anyways, I'll stop talking about it because you guys can't see it. Um, that's my favorite one, though. Okay, but there's one that I go back to that I have to, I ha- can't find, I haven't found it yet. I know it's somewhere in my bookmarks, but it's really far away. But it's literally, okay. I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you the account that made it. We'll definitely post it. But it's, yeah. it's only the Dune London clips put together. Yeah. To this, um, it's the song where it's like, I'm so confident. <laughs> I actually don't remember the song. Uh, well, I put it on one of my playlists. So I like the song, but I clearly don't know the words. Um, okay. And it's just like, it's just the June London clips. But I don't know. It's such a comfort fan camp for me. It's oh my like, God. Yeah. Edited together just now. so well. Like, it's just really like pleasing. Like, it's very aesthetically yeah. pleasing. It like almost feels like those like slime videos of people grabbing slime, you know, where you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's that kind of satisfying. Like the do in London um, behind the scenes was, or whatever they used those for. It was already for, like, yeah. It was already like a great fan cam um, material. Yeah, they so, just put them together. They did a great job. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay, you go. Okay, so my next one is a Stella Gibson one that I found on, tum- on Tumblr. Hello? On TikTok. Because as you uh, may, or wait, may or may not know, I am a whore for Stella Gibson. <laughs> um, Stevie knows very well. And it's there's just nothing about it other than the fact that it's a masterpiece and it's on TikTok and I will we will put the video and it's very long and like there's slow mo I don't Ooh. actually know have I seen it like yeah I think it's like uh it's like some <laughs> not instrumental but like it's very well done it's like incredible and honestly still Gibson you can't go wrong that's true. Okay, so my second Next. one is <laughs> this is so fun. My <laughs> second one is um, uh, Miss Ani's at Stell Gibson on Twitter that she made today. Me too. That was a good one. She made such one, a good one. She made one to like the affirmation song where it's like, "I am wealthy. I am healthy. I am rich. I am that bitch. I am gonna go get that bag, and I am not gonna take your shit." That one. Yep. Um. And she said it's Jillian Ander- every day is Jillian Anderson Day, and it's just so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's one. perfectly edited. The the clips of her winning all of the awards somehow go together perfectly. I have not stopped watching it. No, me either. Thank you. Okay. My next one is uh one from Jillian's film that she did called Boogie Woogie. <laughs> oh, will you send that to me? I forgot about that. I don't know what it is about this fan cam. Oh, it's so good. It fucks me up. It's so good. The song is perfect. And 
I just Stevie and I have talked about this, but Jillian does like the relief of built up sexual tension very well. Yeah, it's it's actually incredible. And there's a moment in the fan cam where this dude is like kissing her neck, and I swear to God, every single time I see it. I near my knees nearly buckle. Hers do. Like I nearly collapse to the ground. <laughs> and it's like As that's hers what, do. Yeah. Oh, it's so well acted, and it's that guy's not even hot, but it's so hot. Mm-mm. My next one is one. I'm sorry to bring this here, but it, it, this is my only Molder one. The rest are okay. That's characters. no. You're allowed. You're allowed. You're allowed. It's one Molder one, and it's to goodie bag, and it just. Wait, is that the one where in the beginning he's like the bulge in my? pants is no <gasps> i was looking for that one. i'm surprised that. you didn't do that one and it's the one where he goes what's a girl and it's like oh if you think about you oh yeah goodie bag yeah but then there's that, that other a- one where he talks about a bulge in his pants i can't remember the song but we'll post that one too yeah oh. that one's my god a freak like me <gasps> freak yeah. oh my god yeah no that was the one my next one um, is a shameless self-promotion. I don't even care. You don't even have to watch it. I'm just so proud of the baby Scully and Revival that, Scully I put that one, one on my I list. Did. No. To Heart of oh, Glass. I, I'm so proud of you for putting yourself because that was my last one on my list. I said my all-time favorite fan cam ever is yours to Heart of Glass by Blondie and Miley with baby Scully and Revival Scully. It's art. It's literally I art. Truly, no, all need to watch like, I really took myself out with that one. I, I barely good. even made it through making that. That one was so good. Because truly, and we'll talk about this with her, our favorite hairstyles mm-hmm. for Scully, but like that truly, Baby Scully and Revival Scully are so close to my heart. They're just it for me. She is it for me. And oh my God, there's something so sexy about a woman maturing. <laughs> Okay, that's it. That one was on my list too. So there's an account on Instagram called River Scully. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, literally all of her videos, like the way, hear me out here, the way that her videos worship Scully feels the same and as pure as when you do. Like it's like the same kind of like, it's like that vibe of like, just like worshiping her beauty. Like that's what that feels like. It makes me so happy. Her video, her fan cams do not miss a fucking mark. No, and the thing is, is that she does them to phenomenal music. Like, phenomenal the music. The music is incredible, and, like, that's really make or break for me. And I also think for both of us, too, we really um, make or break, too, is when the fan the cam, beats. when the videos, yeah, when each clip is on beat with the music. Mm-hmm. And, like, wow. They're so good. Her last three that she's posted are like some of the best ones I've ever seen. But specifically, so my personal favorite has to ha- like it has to be the one that's um to all things and it's to it's about all things and it's to leather and lace because that feels Absolutely. like it was made just for me. <laughs> like I, and it feels so personal. Yeah. Equally, she made one Ooh. to pearly do do pearly do drops drops. And that's like my all-time favorite song ever. Yeah. And she made it to Baby Scully, and she tagged us. I know that was one that she tagged us. Which in. was so freaky. My God, Emily lost her mind when she watched that. Because oh we, my God, and you were like, we were in the phase of listening to that song a lot. You had just showed me that song. Yeah, so I had been listening to it. 
Anyways, chef's kiss all around. She did not miss a mark. So incredible. Every single one. Like they're, I don't, I wish I could edit like that. So Mm -hmm. incredible. I can edit my audition tapes and I can edit this show and that's it. That is it. (laughs) That was fun. That was really fun. I can't wait for everyone to watch them. I know. I can't wait to just like watch all of them like in one place. How fun. Me too. Um, too. I'm smiling so hard right now. My cheeks hurt. No. Okay. So then the other question that we got was, um, hi, I love you. We love you. We love you. Yeah. 100%. And they said, here's here's the thing. I just want to know which hairstyle do you love most from Scully? I mean, I'm in love with season five hairstyles because look at her. She's the most beautiful woman on scene and her hair adds like 1 million points to her face. I cut my hair trying to have her hairstyle and I got season six hairstyle, which was so short that I'm waiting for it to grow. Okay, retweet. That just happened to Emily too. <laughs> that just happened to me. Not so all I'm of it, but... right. No, not all of it, but I'm I'm right along. I'm right there with you. Yeah, and I bet Jillian five. was exactly as yeah. well. Yep. Um. Okay, do you want me? Can I go first? Yes, I'm no. really excited. Yeah, I thought yeah. about this. I thought about this morning. Mine aren't very like special, so go ahead. So my first one. This is very much in order. Okay. My first one is a very specific season three haircut, mm. and the episode is Obliette. Is that how you say it? I don't fucking know. Um, what happens in it? Anyways, it's like this this like creepy ass photographer and oh, this woman. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, her hair looks really good in that episode. And she's wearing this like ver- this very specific hospital scene. She's wearing like this cream collarless blazer and like this plum shirt underneath it i just want to marry scully like i want to marry the scully we'll post pictures these i think these are my favorite pictures maybe maybe ever along with um, along with maybe possibly another scene but i could definitely very very easily pick out that along with another scene as my favorite i'm super excited to see these pictures because i'm not sure what scene you're talking about so i'm excited to see it i will show you second I want to believe Scully. Mm, yeah, has on my knees, on my fucking knees. Her braid, yes. Her long hair, like tucked behind her ear, would love to pull it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Big fan. Stevie and I watched. I want to believe recently together, and <laughs> I was holding. I was really keeping it together. You did. I'm really proud of you. I was. You I think really I only kept it together. I think I only snarled like once. <laughs> Like, maybe I moaned a couple of times. No, but that's okay. Like, that was it. Three Dana Scully ponies. Okay. Right. Specifically Deep Throat when she's Mm -hmm. in her little jean button-up. Specifically Jersey Devil when she goes out on a date. And then there's this very specific season four gif where she's in her scrubs and she has her hair pulled back in a low pony. Oh, yeah. Top tier. Amazing. Was that them? Nope. She said top five, right? She just said top five. Okay. Oh, okay. I did top five plus honorable mention. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. No, she just said favorite. This is really good for me too. Top five is like I know. No, I'm proud of you. So four is Revival Scully. Her freshly fucked hair. Revival Scully. That was the the best wig. Why they cut that? I will never understand. I don't understand. Like, f- I become a 
feral chihuahua when I see Revival Scully with her long hair. Every once in a while, Emily will send me a voice memo of her just like yipping like a chihuahua. <laughs> I just am reduced to animalistic instincts. I can't explain it. Because hear, hear me out, right? You There's out. something about the way that that wig is cut it's where it like, it's so like, well. yeah, it's, oh. it's a good wig. Whew. Whoever styled that wig deserves um, an Emmy. Everything. I will marry you. Okay. <laughs> then my last one is, um, I just have like a really, really soft spot for early season six, Scully, where her hair looks like very um, hum- humidified. Like it's like Scully's hair, right? It's like season four hair or season five hair with a little bit of kinkiness to it. Mm. Like she just had steamy sex it has in a some car. Texture. Yeah, and, like, it just kind of, like, curled up a little bit, mm. mm-hmm. which is probably accurate to where Mulder and Scully were at at, the, at that point. You're correct. So I have a feeling, right, that she just had less time to get ready in the morning, and so that was, like, her... Oh, I love that. You no, know, her neck was a little sweaty the night before, and she fell asleep, and, like, that's... Mm-hmm. Her neck was sweaty. I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when you just get the bad night sweats, maybe the neck sweats. No, you know what I mean? I do. Honorable mention are two, right? Okay, no, honorable mention is one, okay. which is her ripping Skinner new asshole. Um, in, um, in Piper Maru? Yes, and all white institutions um, about her sister's death. Mm. Like her hair there is just fantastic. Yeah, there's a yeah the whole Piper Maru. Yeah, um, so that's honorable mention. Second honorable mention is just season five. I mean, I would just be a bad gay if um I didn't (laughs) mention season five. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, mine is not as detailed. Um, okay, sorry. (laughs) Don't worry, apologizing. I'm sorry. Um, why are you apologizing? (laughs) So my favorite Scully there is <laughs> I just I love the 1940s starlet look. I know you do. That's my favorite, and um, that's a good look. I feel like season three pusher like really like that's. It's like I was really gonna say moment, like yeah. So like when would that be? I guess all of season three like, maybe. Yeah, most of season three. Um, and then my other favorite hair is just whenever like she takes a bath <laughs> or when she's like. At- yeah. In War of the Cockerfages, or however the fuck you say that word. Copperfages. Cockerfages. <laughs> and we all know where Stevie's mind is. <laughs> exactly where Bambi's mind was. <laughs> um, it's when it's in that little right. clip. I know exactly. When she's washing fucking what's his ass? Yeah. Quag. <laughs> and then, like, in whenever she's in the bath and she puts it up in the little twisty thing. Like in Hollywood AD? Yeah. And, and, in, and in, um. Finga. Yep. Thank you. Anyways, those are our questions. That was fun. That's it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's it. I love those it. are my favorites. I love it so much. Honestly, to be honest, like, here's the thing, right? Honestly, to be honest. Honestly, to be honest, if I'm going to be truthful. <laughs> <laughs> the, cl- the classic uh, Auburn Bob is just so it's, Like I, just season iconic. four and five, like, top tier. Yeah. Like, I think, honestly, I didn't include season four and five because she's just so hot it's that like, it's, like, unbearable. It's, it's like, it's unnatural. It's, it's like, annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's annoying. She's so perfect. It's annoying.
him too it's like them together i'm like watching it and i'm mad i'm like yeah season four and five david to company definitely had like the 90s <sighs> floof that like please, men had please, 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 please. i'm sorry okay. it's true it's the truth he is a man <laughs> good for good for taylor good for taylor should we get into the episode <laughs> yes let's get into the episode so this episode is Aubrey. I'm not even going to attempt to guess which episode number this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's season two. Um, something yeah, after it's definitely 10. definitely season two. <laughs> so we open on police headquarters in Aubrey, Missouri. And for once, we learn very quickly that the title of the episode, despite being a woman's name, is actually a place and not the name of the woman unnecessarily traumatized in the episode. Which I was surprised by. Not that there's not women necessarily traumatized in the episode. Because there are, but that's not the title. That's not the title. I said, I love starting out with a dead woman with blood everywhere. It's the first things you hear. Mm. Here we go. Absolutely. So we find out that a woman's been murdered with razor blades. Disgusting. Um, And like the camera angle is like on the floor level of of the police headquarters. That was kind of cool. And they were like, the last episode did so poorly. They were like, fuck, we've got to think of something. And they came up with having the camera be on the floor. They're like, this will get them. It's new. It's fresh. (laughs) Yeah. Feels good. Feels organic. (laughs) These cops are talking about a crime. and Wait, I'm sorry to cut you off again. Go for it. I've never been happier than I am in this moment right now. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like drunk. I have food in my lap. I have alcohol. I took an edible. I'm on the phone with you. I'm talking about this. I'm so I happy. truly, I'm so happy too. I'm so, I'm happy, so happy, right happy. My cheeks hurt. I'm smiling so hard. These cops are talking about the crime. And I swear to God, this one man with like the little milk stain mustache has been in like 50 episodes. No, ready? Do you want to know what you know him from? Is it, okay, can I guess? Yeah. Is this the same exact actor who tells Scully that she's a whore? Yes. And then also the dude from the movie? From Fight the Future? Is he in the movie too? I swear to God. I haven't seen the the movie movie in a long time, so I'm not sure. But I know that he's the one who says, "Uh, one lonely night you invited (laughs) me to your bed. That's him. Is is that actually him? Yeah, I looked it up. Like, I'm not insane? Yeah, no, I looked it up. I knew it. I fucking knew it. There have been so many moments where this man with a milk-stained mustache has been in the show, and I'm like, Wait, isn't this guy kind of like a main character? Like, I know. Because every time he does it, he plays, like, impactful characters. And I'm like, you can't just have him be recurring. Okay. So then, so they're, like, panning through this police headquarters. And there's one woman in the entire office, first of all. So (laughs) it's our main character. The one who's (laughs) fucking her boss or coworker or whatever the fuck he is. Her coworker, yeah. So the woman goes into brian tillman's office mustache man and she's basically like they're talking about how he didn't show up for their plans that they had he he ditched her Mm -hmm. um and that she's upset because they were supposed to have dinner and he never showed up which is fucking rude and she cooked and then she tells him that she's pregnant oopsie um they made an uh uh oh spaghettio an uh oh embryo (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) So Tillman gives her an address where they can, capital T, talk. 
Um, it's a fucking but fuck both. But fuck both of them because he's married and she knows that he's yeah, married. It's fucked up. Also, like, why are you freaking out? Because like, surely it's Missouri. Surely abortion is safe and accessible, right, Stevie? Oh, of course. Hasn't it always been for women everywhere? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Roe versus Wade, like in 1973, made abortion accessible and safe and legal everywhere, right? And like state laws definitely didn't and don't continue to undermine a woman's right and access to abortion, right? Absolutely not. So uh, this woman whose name I don't think we know yet goes to the motel that he told her to meet, that Tillman told her to meet him at, and she just like keels over it's and like we love we seeing see... a, a pregnant woman in distress for no reason. Yeah. Like, that just stressed me out. And we see, like, some weird crossover of, like, a man digging a grave to bury someone. And then this woman is digging this someone up. And, like, she looks very confused. And, like, so am I. There's this interview clip of Jillian on talking to um, uh, Kath- Katie Couric. Katie Couric. And, um, and she's talking about the movie, the first movie. And Jillian is like, I have no idea what happened. Oh, when she talked about when she first read the script. Yeah. Yeah. So we transitioned to the FBI basement. (laughs) Mulder and Scully are flirting about teeth. Uh, Jillian is looking absolutely delicious. Apparently I I felt in the moment like a four four course meal. Mm So they're analyzing the teeth of, of special agent Sam Cheney, apparently, um, who was a trailblazer at the FBI in investigating serial murders. Yeah. So him and his partner, Agent Ledbetter, um, disappeared while they were investigating three murders in Aubrey, Missouri in 1942. And um, this is, the, uh, what's his name? Special Agent Cheney is the body, our pregnant lady. Who, according to Mulder, is called B.J. Morrow, a woman, is uh, who that's that's who found him. That or that's who she found. Mulder has a crush on these two men because they were two outsiders as well. And then he makes a joke about the woman's name being the abbreviation for blowjob. Mm-hmm. There's B-roll of this scene where David keeps. I know. Spot. He keeps missing his mark, and he's low key throwing a temper tantrum. But my favorite thing about it is that it's just remarkable to watch Jillian work. Like every take is slightly different, which is like, duh, that's what you're supposed to do. So what's funny is that Mulder keeps making these little like cringe sexual innuendos. Meanwhile, and like meanwhile, Scully's like, "Do you want me to suck your dick? Like I will do it right now." She's like, "If that's what you want, just ask." So they go to Aubrey because Mulder finds. It's strange that a woman just found this body in the middle of a large field. Fair. We also thought it was strange. Yep. So they go to the crime scene and they talk to, uh, I'm not going to call her BJ because fuck that. Um, What are you going to call her? Moro. Okay. That becomes problematic later, but up until that point, I will call her Moro. So they're at the crime scene and they talk to Moro, the woman who found the body. And she says that she saw a dog digging in the ground and when she investigated, she found the gravesite. So she, Mulder, and, Mulder keeps asking her questions, and she has an answer for everything. She's clearly thought all this out. It, it looks, it seems very prepared. Yeah, until he starts asking her questions, and like it kind of starts, he starts to poke holes in her story. 
um, which prompts, prompts Mulder to ask her if she experiences moments of clairvoyance or dreams, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and the and fucking milk-stained mustache dude is like, well, you don't suspect her, do you? Like, why would that be you're so- You're done. Why would that be yeah. so preposterous? He's like, you're done talking to my mistress. <laughs> He's like, that's it. What's frustrating, which, like, doesn't become clear until later, but what's frustrating at this point is, like, they're all calling her BJ as if she's not an agent. She very much seems like a secretary. Or like, and when she walks into his office in the beginning, it doesn't seem like she works there. No. Well, she's the only fucking woman in the entire exactly. office. And he has a big um, office all by himself, and she's in a desk out in the, like... Seriously? Yeah, it's fucked up. So, like, one, you're in the field, and you're equals in professionally. So, like, address her by her last name, maybe. And two, like, I don't hear Mulder calling Scully DK. Like... I know. These men are legitimately 10 years old. Right? Because it becomes clearer later why they call her by her first name. But it's like... Why is that? They call her by her first name because her father becomes a part of the plot. So calling her Moro would have, like, confused her with her father. Um... Anyway, Jillian looked exceptionally beautiful in this lighting. They don't do that for Mulder and his father, Agent Mulder. Exactly. Call him Fox. So they cut. So they settle on a killer potentially, and as Mulder is and (laughs) as Mulder is explaining what this killer did to his victims, Scully notices similar signs of similar violence on the bones that moro found in the field she is so smart thinking about the scratches on the ribs that they could be a word she's so fucking smart i love her i'm so proud of her as he's explaining this she notices the the um crack in the skull which is a blow to the head and then the cuts in the ribs as stevie just mentioned so cut to scully on her little computer she's eating chicken i love when she's doing her job so well and says it's gonna be a few more seconds before the hookup and it's so it's so sexy and sweet and she's so precious in her rim wire glasses my wife so they're starting to realize Mulder and Scully are starting to realize that Moro's story doesn't really add up and Scully suggests that she actually was there at the motel um near where the body was found to fuck Tillman yeah and- and Mulder is so taken aback, but Scully's like, babe, it's so obvious we're having an affair. <laughs> I know. And Mulder's like, how do you know? And Scully says a woman senses these things, which is such bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Because what she really means is because I've been the other woman. <gasps> oh my God. No, you're right. I didn't even, th- I didn't even think about that. Yes. And it's true. okay i have a lot of thoughts can i just like read you my train of thought here because it really varied a lot let's go okay go for it so i said one i think it's funny that molder mister by the way the body was positioned wouldn't put that together (laughs) literally literally um and then i put it's kind of annoying that like of course a woman has to be the one to notice like romance things like but i like when she sees things and he doesn't um Mm -hmm. and i said it actually makes sense because he is such a lone wolf character that like he wouldn't notice that shit but then she said that line, a woman senses these things. And I was like, okay, the writers ruined it. But like, she's just observant. It's not because she's a woman that she's observant. It's just because she's her. But then I was thinking yeah. that the only reason she's so observant is because the writers put the female character in the back in season one. And so that just became her character trait was that she was like new and observant because they weren't giving her mm. the space that she deserved. 
so then I'm like, oh, it is because she's a woman in this case, but like, it doesn't have to be like that. Truly, can just be like it's just become a character trait. But then the origin of that character trait maybe be like, wow. Well, and it's also just like you know that CB and I watched an episode of Veep the other day, and you remember mm-hmm. how um, one of the male characters was like talking to Amy, mm-hmm. the female character. Mm-hmm. He was talking to Amy and he was like, I don't know, like, don't, can't you sense whether she's pregnant or not? <laughs> and Amy was like, with what? Like the fucking lady matrix that we share? Like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's the same thing. It's like, that's such a male written line. And then, what do you yeah. mean a woman senses what? Exactly. What are you talking about? So the at the, as they're at the computer they're basically like looking at the scans of the rib cages that that this woman found um and they're comparing the ones of cheney and then the one of the slash killer who is the person who they think committed yeah, who cheney was investigating yeah um they're looking at his last victim and they're comparing the two so i just want to say Scully working at a computer explaining what she's doing is fucking orgasmic. I know. I thought of you. So, upon comparison, apparently there's no match between the two of them. Then Moro comes in, and at this point, we know that she has the ability somehow, knowing Chris Carter, it's probably because he, like, idolized Tillman's fucking magical, powerful sperm, whatever. Um, But we know that Moro somehow has the ability to see what happened to Cheney through visions. Yeah. Um, that's sort of hinted at here. So Moro runs off to the bathroom. Scully follows her because women heart. I know. I like that she and does that. Me too. And then um, Scully explains that she knows how she's feeling, that she's had feelings for people she's worked with, and that inner office relationships can be complicated, especially when he's married. It's, I realize that it's like a parallel of her being in a bathroom talking about having feelings for someone with another woman. Totally. Because that happens again in what, Rain King? Yes. Mm-hmm. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Moro, and then Scully's like, bitch, I know you're pregnant. <laughs> and then as Scully's leaving, Moro asks if she's showing. And like, it's a really sweet moment between two women having each other's backs. I know. And like, That's very, exactly what I wrote. Yeah, like very reminiscent of being drunk with other women in bar bathrooms. Oh, I miss that so much. But also, like, Moro's a bitch because she knows Tillman's married. So, no solidarity for you. Yeah, no Sorry. solidarity. Um, but, like, this scene with Scully and, like, her just, like, knowing that she's pregnant. Like, she just read this woman like a book. She was like, I Seriously. see exactly where you're at. And I, like, and she, like, showed her some sisterhood. Like, there wasn't judgment in what she was saying. It was just, like. Yeah. So, Moro tells Scully she's experiencing nausea and nightmares. And Scully's like, uh, what now? She's like, that's not a pregnancy. Symptom. Yeah. And, like, and then Scully just, like, leaves. And, like, she wouldn't do that. One, this woman was like, I don't know what to do. If I tell anyone what's happening with my body, this man will kill me. He'll kill me, she says. Like, Scully wouldn't be like, oh, sucks. Like, Scully heard Mulder ask about her having dreams earlier. Yeah. Like, they love to make Scully miss the obvious, don't they? Like, as if Scully wouldn't put two and put that together. together yeah 
So Scully tells Mulder that she's pregnant and that Tillman's the father. This and scene Mulder, is really cute. <laughs> Mulder looks at her like, that's going to be us one day, babe. Shut the fuck up. I thought it was so cute it's that Scully true. like scurried over there and like sat up close and was like, oh my God, guess what? Guess what I just Oh my God, this? guess what? <laughs> she's like, she's pregnant and Brian is the father. He's like, oh my God. And then they come out and they're like, oh. And they have to like, He's like oh my God, no way. Shut up. She's like, no, you shut up. So while Mulder and Scully are trying to figure out what the ribcage says on the computer, Moro is like looking at the bones and she realizes that it says brother. They test it on the computer. She's correct. So Tillman comes in and he blows the cover up. He was running. He says he he thinks that the evidence that they're looking at, which is from 1942, mm-hmm. is actually from a murder that happened three days ago that he was trying that him and his police force were trying to cover up. And I'm like, why were they covering it up? Because they're idiots. Because they're cops. His <laughs> um, A cab. Because A cab. So he spills the beans and then another man comes in and says, there's been another one. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a note really quick. When Brian, I'm calling him Brian because if we were going to call her BJ, I'm calling him Brian. Um, When Brian gets there, it immediately is like Moro's father showed up. Like, he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, nothing. (laughs) She like crosses her arms and like pouch she's like nothing god you ruined everything i was hanging out with my friends we were solving a case mm. it's like, you know you're right and it's just gross that energy is gross the case that they're looking at from 1942 a woman was murdered which she was raped apparently which it says on on the file but mm-hmm. they don't actually talk about yeah um and she had sister carved into her chest and then that was written on the wall in her blood and like it just struck me at this point, like one, this is a monster of the week episode. Yep. I read about and that. And two, this is a science fiction show we're watching, right? I understand that like by rooting the paranormal cases in like reality, it makes them more interesting. And I really like the cases like that, like pusher to where it's like a supernatural element with something that seems very real and procedural. Like that's really cool. Yeah. Doesn't gotta be rape, it's not SVU. It was at this point where I was like Here's the ticket, right? The show does one of two things usually when it comes to female trauma, right? Mm -hmm. It either traumatizes a woman to lead to the paranormal focus or it has a paranormal focus that requires the ongoing and updating trauma of women. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. (laughs) Aubrey's an example of the latter. Yeah. And the last episode we just watched is, is an example of the former. Wow, yeah. So they go to the crime scene and Moro says that it's the woman in her dream. No one knows what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah. So but Scully's very concerned. Totally. So at this point, audience members are like, oh, so she's seeing through the killer's eyes. I'm assuming. Yeah. And this is like the first rendition of that idea in a series. Yeah. <laughs> first of uh, many last yeah so now scully Mulder, and morrow are in the park they're chatting about motherhood and jillian has the biggest fucking smile on her she does um she does but can i for a second 
that first bit is the worst scene I think I've maybe ever watched on television ever. A little girl falls and BJ stands up and it's like, <gasps> and then the mom goes and she's like, my mothering instinct is kicking in. And I'm like, that is the worst. And then Mulder, and then Mulder is like, well, I think we all experience that bitch. What? <laughs> <laughs> like did you just admit at some point in your life you swore you didn't want to become your mother like what so Mara starts talking and she talks about how her father was a cop then Mulder she is talking about these dreams that she's having and Mulder says dreams are answers to questions that we haven't f- yet figured out how to ask I have some weird dreams. I don't know if that's true. And Scully, Scully's off in the corner thinking about the sex dream she had about him last night. Like, oh my god, fuck. What does that mean? Around this point, um, David clenched his jaw and I gasped. Hearts. Very fair. Very fair. Yeah, he when he clenches his jaw, you can like see the whatever. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. that is. And like at the something. angle, like his jawline already looked good. Like I was already admiring it. And then he clenched and I went... <gasps> Moral reveals what we at this point suspect, which is that in her dreams, she sees a woman who's been hurt, and then she looks in the mirror and sees a man's reflection. And I just love how, like, there's not even any consideration of how traumatizing it would be for her to keep having these dreams. I know. She's seeing a woman hurt. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Like, she's just a vessel. She's pregnant. With a man's child who, like, even though I know she knows about the affair, or she knows about his marriage, but, like, he treats her like shit. It's clearly there's a power dynamic thing happening, like. So, she tells them that the man she sees has a rash on his face and intense eyes. And then she explains what the room looks like and then draws what a painting there looks like. And the (laughs) thing she draws would have been, Mulder says, from the 1939 World Fair. Can I just say... I want that drawing and the one of the Jersey Devil framed in my home next to each other. Oh my god, that's so funny. She literally draws a triangle. She draws an isosceles triangle in a circle, and Mulder's like, oh my god, yes, that's this building. Like, that's all she draws. Like, literally nothing else. I'm calling her BJ, fuck it. I know, Moro's hard to so, say. So, BJ goes, BJ. <laughs> So BJ is cut to BJ. She's going through the 1942 mugshot lineup pictures. Mm-hmm. Tillman comes in. He's being a fucking dick. Oh. Like, maybe just mind your own business. She tells him, he tells her that he's willing to go to the abortion appointment with her. And she's like, mm, I think I might want to keep the baby. To which he says. Oh, I wrote this down too. This isn't your decision. It's, and let me just stop you right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is her decision. It's just like, um, you're incorrect. You are incorrect. That's incorrect. <laughs> that is not correct. Because according to the encyclopedia, <laughs> go suck a dick. <laughs> suck your own dick, honestly. Just you don't try. get BJ anymore in any way, shape, yeah. or form. No. So she sees the dude in her dreams in the book, and she realizes that his name is Harry Coakley so transition to highway 377 Mulder and scully are in the car life is a highway etc <laughs> so 
Coakley lives in Nebraska since he was released from jail in 1993, Scully says, and he's basically definitely like their dude. So I don't know how the fuck they didn't connect this, this guy to the homicide. It's like I fucking I know. Hello. So they have the suspect, but Mulder says that that doesn't really explain BJ's connection to it. So Mulder Scully suggests that maybe it maybe it's crypto men. Menegia, mm-hmm. which Mulder is like, what consciously forgetting information from by from hearing it or whatever. Uh, uh, Scully what says, "We're not believing in repressed memories because of trauma." Like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. I don't know. So Scully says, "Like, what do you think that she could have repressed the information and forgotten it, despite the fact that she heard it?" from her father when he was discussing the case back in the 40s. Um, And then Scully suggests that the recent murders triggered what was previously buried in her mind. So Mr. Fox, Hunch Mulder, says that it's a pretty extreme hunch what Scully is suggesting, which, like, (laughs) fucking laugh out loud. are you kidding? Which she says. And then... Yeah! Okay, her smile when she calls him out, that is my fucking baby right there. Like, I oh know. my god. So basically, Scully's like, oh yeah, like you haven't had, I seem, I recall some pretty extreme hunches that you've had. And Mulder's like, I have never. And she smiles. <laughs> and then he smiles really hard. All around me are familiar faces. <laughs> All around me. <laughs> so they get to Cockley's. Cockley? Is that his name? Cockley. Now <laughs> whose mind is it on? <laughs> they get to Cockley's house. And there he is. Another piece of shit old fart. I wrote, how many times do we have to watch rapists have fleshed out plot lines and listen to them speak? Like, how many times? Seriously. I know. They talk to this bitch, right? And Scully really is the voice of the fucking decade in this oh episode. My I, I just have to say. So this little piece of shit bitch boy is like, I don't really remember the night that he attacked this other woman who ended Ooh. up escaping the attack. And Scully says, well, I'm sure Mrs. Thibodeau will never forget it. And like, yes, woman. Yeah. You- Tell this man who can just forget the harm he's caused that those he's harmed do not have that luxury. Ruin his fucking life. Exactly. It's like it. I don't even have words. It just she she said it perfectly. Whoever wrote that line, you can have a treat. I know. Coakley keeps calling Scully little sister and like fucking disgusting, but also Scully is. So so mad i it's like i don't like watching her get casually harassed all the time by truly evil men like i don't like watching that but i do like watching her play that kind of burning anger that's yeah so relatable and so visceral like she does so relatable so visceral and also the least bit of justice that these writers do for the women that they've killed off as a result Mm -hmm. of evil men yep Scully's like, you're going to rot in fucking prison so you can call me whatever you want. Yeah. Um, he gives them nothing because he's an idiot and they leave. So cut to BJ. She's having a nightmare. But then when she wakes up, she's bleeding and she has sister From, written yeah. across her chest. 
Um, then she like barges into some woman's home and she starts like ripping up her floorboards in the basement, say in this woman's basement, saying, He's here, he's here. Tillman busts in, Mulder and Scully busts in, Jillian nearly trips down the stairs. Do you notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I'll have to go back and watch that. <laughs> I was like, why did because Jillian like stops. Like when she gets like halfway down the stairs mm-hmm. and I was like, why did she do that? I had to watch it a couple of times because I kept getting distracted. But when I watched it, she like literally almost falls down the stairs. <laughs> I'm excited so, to go back and watch that again. So Tillman takes BJ to the hospital. Um, Brian takes BJ to the hospital. Um, and Mulder and Scully go down and they rip up the floorboards and someone's bones are in a bag under the floorboard. They find out that they're Ledbetters, who is who is Cheney's partner. So now we're at the hospital. Scully brought BJ clean clothes, which is really, really sweet. She's really sweet to BJ, which sucks that like BJ ends up being I don't even know. The villain. Yeah. And like yeah, I know. Because Scully's really sweet with her. Yeah. Not not through any fault of her own, literally, just because the writers made her the villain. I know. Like, she didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. So... I mean, she did. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. BJ says that Coakley attacked her, but he was a young man. Yeah. From what she remembers. So, Brian picks Coakley up, and they bring him in for questioning. Jillian looks fucking gorgeous in this questioning room. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're back in Mulder's motel room. Scully tells him that the blood on the second victim matches Coakley's, and so they go see Mr. Mr. They go see the the victim of Coakley's who Ms. escaped, Mrs. Thibodeau. Thibodeau, um, the woman who he tried to murder in 1945. I feel so horrible for her having to relive this trauma again as if it hasn't been a fucking lifetime of healing. The general vibe of this episode is like women are vessels. <laughs> It just, like, this episode made me surprisingly really uneasy and sad. Like, I had to put on totally. fun music and dance around when I was done because, like... It was, like, fine in the beginning. And then, it was, like, as soon as they bring in this woman, when they bring in Mrs. Tribido, it, like, goes downhill fast. Yeah, for me, it was when they introduced Coakley. Like, that's just where it all just, like, is, like, a quick yep. spiral down. But especially so, with her, you're right. Yeah, so they go see her. Jillian Lee Anderson, I swear to fucking God, is the most stunning, most celestial being I have ever seen in my life. And I just think everyone should know that. <laughs> Mrs. Tribido recalls her attack by from Coakley. She says that he called her little sister, which like fucking absolutely not. Um, then Mulder puts it all together somehow out of fucking thin air. And... Oh, the Shannon. And so, what he puts together is that Mrs. Tribido had a child, or that there was some complication with a pregnancy that prompts her to tell him that she ended up having a child, and she gave him up for ado- for adoption. Scully looks so bothered by this whole story and it's just crazy how good of an actor you can be when you actively listen like this woman is reliving horrendous trauma for them and Mulder's looking at pictures on the wall this this plot line is no I just can't believe that they wrote this woman who had to leave her child up for adoption because it was the child of a rape 
as a casual monster of the week episode. Like this is not SVU. I don't. That's 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 ultimately the issue. Yeah, because right like, is that this is framed as the monster of the week, and there is deep, deep emotionally and repro- and emotional and reproductive trauma that is and sexual trauma yeah. that is forced upon these women, and like that's the monster exactly and it's like it, that's the real monster jesus christ it that's that's literally it because it's like in small doses i understand that like sexual trauma and reproductive trauma being something to explore it's certainly fucking prevalent like it's just it's used casually and it's not taken as seriously as it needs to be that and also that's not their intent no mm-mm. Exactly. Like their intent is not to make some statement about reproductive trauma, about sexual trauma. No. That is not their intent. Mm-hmm. Just like in the last episode, their intent was not to to make some brave political statement about how women who accuse men of rape aren't believed. Absolutely. That not. that was that's not their intent. No, and it's like we've talked about this time and time again already on this podcast. We're only a quarter of the way through season two, but like the it's the way that these topics aren't handled with the weight that they that they have like because they they didn't intend on taking that on no like they thought they were picking up a 10 pound weight turns out they were actually picking up a 100 pound weight and like the the extra zero had just been scratched off and it's like the casual details like the woman saying oh it happened up there on the landing like that yeah. that seriously bothered me because like I, it's just unsettling to be in the same house and like that's the thing i was like i was like how could they i mean like i understand circumstance i understand money i understand like not everyone has the privilege to remove themselves from a situation from a trauma that severely but it's like the fact that they made her stay in this same house for the sake of that plot um uh like um happening again later on Mm -hmm. is like so beyond fucked and it's like that really bothered me because like you know i have a hard time being in my town like my whole last town not even the same place and she's like what happened right there on the landing and it's just gross because i know that they did that so that they could mirror it at the end exactly and that's disgusting And so I literally thought we could go one episode without creating female trauma <laughs> and fucking reproductive trauma, but like I was fucking wrong. I know. Um, and like just a call back to what we said in like one of the first episodes. I think the first time we said it was an Eve. Mm-mm. The, the linchpin of this show is reproductive trauma, and they will use that to drive plot any chance they get to make it some supernatural intuition like spidey sense that like connects all women Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous it's spidey sense that connects all women that's such an accurate way to describe it that's that's so exactly what what it is yeah no exactly so yeah so basically for our listeners who are fucking lost as lost as we are (laughs) basically this woman Mrs. Tribodeau was pregnant with Coakley's child as a result of an assault. The conversation that happens because of that is so disgusting. Um, Mrs. Tribodeau basically says that her husband told her not to, or her or her boyfriend at the time, or whoever, told her um, not to get rid of the child because he you can't blame the child. And like, why this woman feels like she had to justify, has to justify either her decision to abort the child or her lack of grief and the loss of it is on a scale from one to 10 of how much I hate it here. 
like a solid 100. It's just so disgusting because that's a child created without her consent. Exactly. So what? It's like and and at that point I I had written that note because at that point she basically said like we didn't know if she had lost it. We didn't know if she had aborted. Mm, we didn't know. No, what we, yeah, we didn't know what happened. So, That's so, so either true. way, I mean, no the matter fact what, that she's feeling like she has to explain this to two FBI agents. Like, it's so fucked up. It's so beyond you don't fucked have to up. Explain yourself. No. So, or like, because it's like this like attempt to make her feel guilty. It's just a child. Come on, like it's like that idea that men are like, well, it's your child. Wouldn't you want to like? But you've. Who was her fucking husband to say? He has no exactly. idea how she's feeling. He didn't experience what she experienced. Exactly. So she gave the baby up for adoption because, yes, let's make a woman carry her rapist baby to term because her husband said aborting it would be blaming the clump of cells in her womb. Nasty. Disgusting. After that disgusting scene, we're back in Mulder's motel room. Oh. Mulder and Scully are talking about some stuff about the house where Ledbetter, Ledbetter's remains were found. Mm -hmm. Scully says, let's arrest um, this fucker. But Mulder is still stuck on BJ saying she saw a young man, despite the fact that Coakley is like fucking 80. Mulder suggests that it might be the person that, that BJ saw might be Coakley's grandson. Mm -hmm. So then Mulder starts going on and on about DNA and biology to his medical doctor partner. Yeah, like why is he the one who is who is a medical doctor? Who clearly fucking knows about genetics. That part just was so bizarre. I, I was like, why are you explaining this? I ask that question all the time. Sometimes I think I truly think they just like divvy up the information with no thought. <laughs> Just, like, want to give him more lines. Yeah, they're like, oh, Scully was talking a lot earlier to BJ, so, like, we'll let Mulder explain this genetic stuff. Yeah. So then Mulder's like, what if I like sunflower seeds because my dad did? And Scully's like, well, damn, then he must have really liked eating my pussy, too. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a really good one. So Scully is on the phone with the adoption agency. She gets off. <laughs> that's like the other day when i was uh, like and she says well let me come too <laughs> scully gets off and she basically says that um mrs tribido's son was a policeman named raymond morrow also known as bj's father dun dun. and like <laughs> honestly fuck this episode so BJ is Coakley's granddaughter. She's responsible for the murders. Okay, whatever. This woman, this poor woman, did nothing, and like her whole life's literally now. Cool. Because so, of something a stupid fucking man did. Like she's just another one of his victims. Well, and also it's like this is punishment because she was having an affair, Stevie. Mm -hmm. Which is like oh, yeah, a woman sorry. has an affair. Right. A woman has an affair because she wants to have sex for pleasure. Oh, can't so, let, can't let that happen. Let's ruin her life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You have to. You so, have to. Scully looks fucking hot, but Mulder's raging about how Coakley's memories and compulsions were passed on genetically to BJ, so they have to get to Mrs. Tribodeau because she may be f trying to finish what Coakley started, and her being pregnant started all of this. I don't know I don't, how. I don't know how that connects, but... 
So cut to Mrs. Tribbito's house. She's cleaning her oven on her hands and fucking knees like a bad bitch. I know. And BJ's there. <sighs> and I just, uh, I just don't want to watch this old woman who's already been attacked in her life and traumatized enough get attacked again. I don't want to say a woman. Like, yeah, by her granddaughter. It's just like the continuation of the trauma from her fucking attack. Like it's just. So BJ's a, so BJ attacks her, and she has some like weird fucking demon voice that's like actually Coakley's. So They're weird. making this poor old woman relive her trauma, and it's just all very unpleasant. It was at this point where I was like, between this episode and the last episode, it seems like the old men who are actual monsters are made out to get our sympathy, while the women who have suffered simply suffer more. That is exactly it i wrote the like i wrote similarly that just like the fucking old men in the last episode the rapist becomes the victim again exactly Exactly. and like i wonder too if i i can't think right now but i wonder too like if these men had been younger if they had if they if the writers would have given them the same sympathy like if these if these men were around even the same age as the writers were yeah like would they have been given the same sympathy or is it or is this the male writers being like yeah these are horrible people but like we don't want to make them out to be monsters so we'll make them old and helpless so people have that innate like sympathy for them yeah despite what they've done i think it echoes that kind of like oh but like you shouldn't let one mistake ruin your whole life totally like it was just one bad spot in his life but like he's fine now Totally. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. So BJ tries to kill her grandmother, Mrs. Tribido, and then Scully realizes that BJ is out to kill Tillman, actually, because she wants someone to blame, but of course she's wrong. And Mulder, Mulder knows has the right to be answer. Right. Yeah. Mulder knows the right answer and will save the day and says that she's actually after Coakley. Why are we rushing to save him? So one, here we have two women being punished for the actions of a man. Yep. And then two, why the fuck do we give a shit about whether Coakley dies or lives? Right. Lives or dies. Like, like I understand legally you need to go, but why is it like this big, hurry, rush to save him? We have to save him, yeah. Scully takes Mrs. Tribido to the police station and fucking Brian is there and says he doesn't believe her. She looks really good here. <laughs> okay. Chuck's fucking hot. Yes. Like the correct. fact that he comes in and says, I don't believe like he looks at this victim in the face and says, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Like yeah. <laughs> we love I'm that. Not sure. The last time she was assaulted in the forties, she was yeah. not believed already once. Honestly, this is really fucked up. But if you're raped, you almost have an easier time in the justice system if they also do something like carve words into your chest. Totally. That's what I mean. That's what we were saying in the last episode. The last episode, the woman who was raped would have been better off dead. She would have gotten more justice if she had just been killed. Exactly. And that is exactly how the justice system is around that. And I have a, and you know what's really annoying? What? Is that they have like rape kits, right? They used to, like, Scully talked about in the last episode, like, her injuries would be consistent with that of sexual trauma, implying that sexual trauma can't happen if there's not injuries. Exactly. You can still be being raped and not be fighting back and being violent and not have any injuries and still have it be rape. 
that that was the thing that um i also had an issue with in the last episode was that like they basically discredited the old men because they were like well like they're not strong enough to hold her down yeah as if there need there's like a, a sufficient level of fighting that has to happen exactly as if this woman had to f- had to have fought back because sometimes you can't like exactly sometimes you just so freeze fucked up. doesn't mean that you're still not being attacked oh it's a whole fucking exactly thing. and like the one good thing about the scene is that i really like seeing scully knock back down in the face of an angry man me too it's really hot it is theme of this episode is scully is sexy as fuck scully's a badass of this episode so bj starts slicing coakley up without even touching him and like just fucking kill this bitch i don't care um apparently like whatever transfer of energy is that's (laughs) happening doesn't won't stop until coakley's dead so Mulder comes in bj is about to kill Mulder because she knocks him the fuck out can you imagine putting your life at risk to save a rapist couldn't be me it's kind of the same thing that i questioned for the last four years about the secret service who were (laughs) whose job was to protect donald trump (laughs) that's true um also a rapist so bj's about to kill Mulder. scully rescues him and she looks so hot. Apparently, that was the theme. I was very taken by how hot she looked. <laughs> They're all kind of like at a standstill. BJ's got a knife pressed or blade pressed up to Mulder's chiseled, beautiful jawline um, slash throat that I'm sure Scully is looking forward to licking. I really feel like Scully and me are like one every time we talk about her, <laughs> just like losing her mind over Mulder. I'm like, yes, yeah, sister. Uh, Coakley dies, and then as soon as that happens, BJ is herself again. Which is now horrible, because now she's just pregnant and has to deal with the repercussions of something that wasn't even her. And all of this fucking trauma. Not even of what she's done, but just of her nightmares alone. Yep. At the end, we have a voiceover from our girl Skullbag. She's telling us some sciencey way um, to explain all of this. We're panning to BJ. Jesus. She's in a mental institution. She's in a psych ward. And Scully says that she has tried to abort her child twice. And like, maybe you should just let her have an abortion instead of putting her on suicide watch. But, oh wait. Conveniently, she's too far along. But she wasn't when she got admitted. She was not when she got admitted. There's no chance. Yeah. Uh, and then Scully tells us that our hero, Brian, has petitioned to adopt the child once she has him because she'll have him taken from her and likely will remain in the psych ward. Basically, women are vessels is what I'm getting from this episode. Yeah, so they're like, no, you can't let her abort it because Brian, it's going to be Brian's now. She will carry this baby that she does not want to term and then he will be taken from her. That's and that's just like a quick like little cute cheeky sum up of the summary. monster of the week yeah everybody clapped everybody cheered good job <laughs> this ending is entirely just so completely cruel and dehumanizing in every way and what would have been much more interesting i think 
and accurate and decent would have been to see BJ living with all of the trauma she faced at the hands of men who have come before her and contemporarily instead of sending her away to a padded room and forcing her to carry her evil spawn child to term when she didn't want to. That's the motherfucking ticket. But Stevie, considering we're now two episodes strong into bad things happening to women, I'm sure the next one will be better, right? Oh god, what's the next? No, it's irresistible, isn't it? It's irresistible. Oh, you're joking. No, I wish I was. Why? And this I is all right joking. after the abduction arc. What is? Not every episode's like this. There's a period where not every episode is like this. This is. And that's the shitty, stinky diaper episode. Shitty, stinky diaper poo poo. I mean, can in the difference between? Are you ready? This is like all morals aside. This episode uh-huh. was better than last episode because it's just like more interesting. Oh, totally. Like more like exciting. There's an urgency. Yeah, there's like an urgency that like Absolutely. the last episode just like sucked all around. This one, at least the idea was like, well, completely illogical. Mystery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was illogical and it's mystery, but it was mystery nonetheless. It was like at least like interesting. Like Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there was female trauma. Like, yes, <laughs> like women are women are vessels, but like, but like at least we were like, ooh, what's gonna happen? <laughs> Everything's horrible, and they just traumatize the shit out of women, and also, like, not a single person of color in the entire episode, if you want to throw that in. But, like, wow, what's happening? Like, but, but, who like, is she seeing in her dreams? But, like, ooh, mystery. Um, that's the episode. Do you want to do Jillian's Corner? Should we do Jillian's Corner? Do you have something for me? Something I'm so for excited. Me. This is so fun. So... Wait, can we sing? Jillian's Corner. Corner. Here we go. You ready? It's a video. It's an oldie but a goodie. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I have no idea. I know. It's exciting. It is exciting. Okay, this is, for those of you who don't know, this is Jillian in Class of 96. It was like a TV show or some shit. Rachel is my queen. I want to marry this woman. This scene is so precious and close to my heart as an English major. Like, it's just, like, bringing out my lit nerd as well with, like... Totally! Like, it just... I couldn't... Like, they're talking about novels that I love. I don't love Moby Dick, but, like, they're talking about, like, novels, like, and shit that I would do in, like, English class, and then, like, she's being so cute, and then they, like... They make such a good point, too. Can I... Like, it's actually so genius. I'm gonna wait until we stop, and I'll tell a little story I have about that. Okay. And also, Stevie told me once that um, me and Rachel would make a really, really cute power couple, and I have not stopped thinking about it It's true. Like, in college, with you doing all your reproductive justice hot girl shit and her like writing books and being all feministy and you guys like taking on the town together and like in the library together oh yeah in the library you'd be the hottest couple on campus you know what i think this is about strong about the difference between the male and female orgasm one of the most feminine novels ever written pride and prejudice okay okay um the end of that book 
is like the female orgasm. Lots of highs, lots of lows, and no single clear resolution. Okay, um, stop. Listening to Julian Anderson describe a orgasm and orgasm is just lots of highs and low she's so cute and like just coming out of college this whole little character just makes me like seeing her like that is just so (laughs) but it's also just like she's just so she's like committing i know like she's so like oh my god okay wait like we could actually be on to something like she totally is not like playing down to the type of role this is like she's absolutely just going yeah for she's it. playing it up like as she should and if i'm gonna make a confession i stole this okay. point in an english class as you should it's a brilliant we were point. talking about we weren't talking about pride and prejudice we we're talking about moby dick and i think <sighs> i think it was maybe mrs dalloway I could be wrong, but we were talking about a different book and I like compared the two endings like that. And my professor was like, wow, that's a very good point, Stevie. And I was like, ah. yeah, you should. I literally Someone's said it like that. I was like lots yeah. of highs and lows. And like, I was like, in- as you should. And no one clear <laughs> resolution. <laughs> literally, it was like almost the intonation. It's really bad. What would you have done if someone was like, wait. <laughs> Wasn't that in the class of 90s? Well, imagine, okay, what if this was our meet cue? I made that point in class and you were in my class and you were like, did you just quote? That would have been our meet cue. Could you imagine? Because you would totally have come up and been like, was that? Do you just quote Julian Anderson in class of 90s? I totally would have been like, do you know that? Like you would have panicked a little bit because you thought I was going to tell on you, but then I was like, no, like, no. I love her. I'd be like, oh my God. I love her. Of potentially limitless climaxes. Okay, stop. <laughs> what do you expect when Jillian says lots of possibly limitless climaxes? What do you expect? I'm a woman. What do you want me to do? I'm only human. I'm only human. You're right, you're right, you're right. I have really nothing to say. I just think it's neat. I think she's yeah. neat. Okay. One big singular male explosion like at the end of um, Moby Dick. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. She thinks it's the hottest thing in the world. I think we got something here. Oh, yeah. Are you feeling weird? No. Okay, stop. <laughs> this is so much weirder just hearing it. <laughs> I think Jillian just came. <laughs> oh, my God. It, this is just the funniest way to write. A woman being like, do you feel horny right now? <laughs> She's like, do you feel weird right now? What's so funny is that like a guy making like this very, this like literary discovery is just like, oh, and like I relate to that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Rachel is very, yeah. Rachel is very relatable. Yeah. Because like I can totally just like, it takes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would have been Mulder too. Sorry, I hate to I hate to tell you that, but this would have been Mulder. Sorry, because it just takes me right back to being in college and being in class and having some guy say point at that and me being like, "Wow." <laughs> okay, no, because you want to hear something, mm-hmm. Mulder. You would have been in like some forensics course with Mulder, and he would have been such a kiss ass, and he would have known everything. 
And then you would be in an English class with him and he would barely ever raise his hand. But then when he did, he would say something so smart and so poetic. And like every woman in class would be like, oh. And I mean, you know, talking like this. Huh? You feeling anything? And like talking about this stuff with with a man, with you. You mean alone and all? <laughs> then you do feel it. It's okay, Stro. It is. Hmm. I think it's just the material. You know, it's got us thinking about sex. Stop! <laughs> if I'm overwhelmed, I think our listeners might die. Do you have any idea? I was just holding my breath that entire time. I just need a breather. Okay, we can go again. Okay, let's just listen to them make out for a second. <laughs> Narrate it. Okay, so basically, Jillian, we got like a little side. Fuck, I can't, I can't describe this and watch it. We have like a little, so basically we have like a semi Spider-Man moment, but it's like to the side. It's not fully upside down. They start kissing Jillian's little tendril of hair falls so delicately on this man's face and she leans in and she's like we're about to have sex because i feel weird <laughs> and i know you feel weird we all feel weird <laughs> we're all feeling weird why not i don't want to objectify you like okay that. stop first of all fuck this man for getting to make out with jillian anderson i hate you right. Second of all, I cannot stand when a woman asserts her sexuality and the man is like, I don't want to sexualize you. I don't want to objectify you. It's like, well, no, I'm getting you she's asserting her own sexuality. She wants to fuck you. Exactly. Like, I don't, you saying that is more demeaning than the sex. Absolutely. I don't. And, and men don't get that at all. It's like there's so many things going on TikTok that I see where it's like women be – or they always say females. They're like females be like – Of course. <laughs> um, don't objectify me. I mean like I'm a, not an object. And then they'd be like this song exists and it's like WAP or body. Stevie, yeah. okay. Okay, let me just say this once. This is the only time I'll be saying this ever. Women cannot objectify themselves mm -hmm. okay By fucking definition like take it english other class. other people objectify women women assert and express their sexuality i don't want to fucking hear it you literally by definition cannot objectify yourself that doesn't make any sense like that bothers me so much what are you talking about I can't use you like that. I, I don't want to violate your personhood. Fuck him. Okay, stop. Yes, because sex violates a woman's personhood and makes her less of a person. Like, she's wanting that. What? What's the matter? Nothing. <laughs> this is weird. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> 
you're right. This is weird, Rachel. You being wet is not weird. No. This is weird. Oh, what a little growth. Like, what a great. This is so well written. Like, who wrote this? Like, I are know. they still writing? Like, I gotta go back to my room. See you, okay? Okay, stop. You don't want me to, like, pull your hair, right? Like, you're not a whore. Like, you don't want that, right? Like, I thought you were smart. Like, I thought you respected yourself. It's like, I don't have the capability to articulate it right now. Like, I might on a normal day. But it just... This just drives me fucking crazy. Like, it literally makes my stomach, like, twist into a knot when men think that women having sexual desire is objectifying themselves. Like, I know. And I just wish that I knew how to articulately explain to them why it's not that, but I don't. So, like, in those situations, I just get frustrated. Well, because, like, men men think that, like, women expressing their sexual desires devalues them in some way. Because that's, because that's what they genuinely... Because that's how they see other women. Yeah. So it's like the second a woman wants them to do that to them, wants to engage in that with them, they're like, wait, but I thought you weren't like other girls. Yeah. It's like, just say you don't value women. Like, just say you hate women. Literally. It's really. And the, the pause after he's like, wait, you don't really want me to do that with you, do you? She's like, so at the end basically the next day he's like i'm such a little bitch so he goes to her room with a flower and he's like i'm really sorry like i'd love to take you out on a date she's like no i just wanted to fuck you once yeah like it was just in the moment that was it she's like but have a nice day i'll see you when we do the project together and that's the like end she's of it. truly iconic I fucking love Rachel. Love her so much. What a realistic de- depiction of college, first of all. Because, like, mm-hmm. these, like, hypersexualized, like, models, it's, like, awkward and, like, real. Yeah. And then it's just, like, yeah, a very full fleshed female character who completely stands in her right to have sexual desire and doesn't waver at all. Like, who wrote Class of 96? And, like, are they doing anything? Like, why did. So good. And after four and a half hours, we've done it. We have done it. We've reached the end of the episode, much like the female orgasm. Lots of highs. There's been a lot of highs, lots of lows. Okay, that's it. We love you. (laughs) Okay, we're done with this episode. We love you so much. We love you. Thank you for the episode's a ride. We love I hope you enjoy episodes. Okay, Okay, bye. (laughs) 